Good afternoon, y'all. So good to see y'all. I love seeing people's faces in church. Can't get over it. <laughs> anyway, mask and all. Um, guys, what a beautiful uh, gospel reading that we have today. Um, this beautiful giftedness of, uh, of us to the, from the Father to Jesus. Uh, it reminds me uh, on my retreat this uh, past week, uh, my spiritual director, of course, I think of you, some of you have heard me talk about him, Monsignor Esif. Uh, a beautifully gifted man. His spiritual director was uh, Padre Pio, and he was best of friends with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. So hearing him talk about their friendship was just one of the coolest things ever. Well, he has one of those wonderful gifts like Padre Pio of reading your soul, and he could still do it even through FaceTime, right? And so one of the things that happened was, um, I don't know about you, but I have a wonderful way of beating myself up for past sins, right? Like, I don't want to let go of those sins. I just kind of like constantly bring them back up to my mind, and I can't forgive myself for what I've done in the past. I don't know if you can relate to that, but that, that's my story. Um, and so I was bringing stuff up, and he just kind of interrupted me, and he says, <laughs> he just kind of started smirking in this great love for me, and he said, Brother, you're one arrogant man. And I was like, I know I am, Father. I know I am. He said, he said, your arrogance. He said, God has forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. You're arrogant. <laughs> I was like, I know. That's why I'm saying all this stuff. But he, he really broke through my heart to make me realize, like, man, like, why can't I forgive myself for things that I've done whenever God has forgiven me a long time ago? Right? Those sins, once went to confession, those sins were dropped in the ocean of his mercy, and he forgot about them. I'm the one that keeps bringing them up and keeps beating myself up over them, but God is like a father. He's like, don't stop doing that. You're arrogant to think that you can't forgive yourself, but I already did. Come on, like, get over yourself, right? And so it connects to me in this gospel reading very well. Um, I, I know we talked about it yesterday um, or the day before, whichever one. But I want you to open up the scriptures for a moment, um, the little Bibles that are in front of you, just to give you a little quick Bible study, and then we're going to jump into this. On page 95 is where our gospel comes from, John chapter 17, all right, page 95. Uh, not the front 95, but the back 95. Um, so John chapter 17. Just to give you a little background on where Jesus is at right now, um, he is... At the Last Supper, it's Holy Thursday. He just instituted the Holy Eucharist and he instituted the Holy Priesthood. And now he is about to go into the agony in the garden and be betrayed by Judas. And we know what happens from there on, right? So this is, John is the only one who captures this prayer. It's Jesus praying to the Father. Now imagine you're in the scene. Imagine yourself at the Last Supper and you hear Jesus praying these words. Right? Now just to give you a little background, on the Day of Atonement, once a year the Jewish priest would go and offer up the lamb and, uh, and that would, or the bull or whatever and it would atone for the sins of Israel. If the priest messed up, if he didn't do it right, the sins of the people were not forgiven for an entire year. All right. So before he would go into that sacred liturgy to offer up the sins upon the, the, the goat and the rams, um, he would pray a prayer. It's called the, priest, the priestly high prayer. The high priest prayer is what it was called. So the apostles would have known this. They would have heard this prayer before. 
And it's, it's laid out in three ways. First paragraph is the priest prays for himself before the Father. The second paragraph, the priest prays for the, the Levitical priests of the Old Testament, those who are the, in the priesthood and they offer up sacrifice. So he prays for the priest, and then the priest, the high priest, offers up prayers for all the people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Jesus takes the same format. The apostles would have heard this, and they would have known, oh my gosh, like he's praying the prayer of the high priest who's about to go and offer up the liturgy of the atonement for the sins. So Jesus is saying, I'm the high priest, and I'm going to offer up the sacrifice of my own body. I'm the true lamb sacrificed, and it's going to be an atonement for all of your sins. All the sins of the world. So, and I'll just kind of briefly go through it real quick. So the first paragraph, John chapter 17, verse 1, says Jesus had spoken these words, talking to the apostles. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. So this first paragraph is Jesus praying to the Father for himself. Second paragraph, verse 6. He's now praying for the priest. We went over this a, a couple of days ago. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given to me. That's the twelve apostles who had just been ordained priest. You give them to me out of the world. They were, not, they were yours and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. So the second paragraph, Jesus is praying for every priest, not just the twelve, but for every priest that would ever come from that moment on, from that moment to the end of eternity, Jesus knew us as priests, and he prayed for me specific at this moment. It's awesome to be able, as a priest, to pray with this paragraph and see what was Jesus thinking about me as a priest on the night that he was betrayed. The third paragraph is for you. It's for the church. And we have to listen to these words really well because um, they're, they're incredible. This is what Jesus uh, feels about you. So he says, I pray not only for these, that's meaning the priest. He says, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you, all right? So that's the priest speaking the word to you. So he's praying for all the church. So that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us. <laughs> okay, put the brakes on. What is, what is Jesus talking about? He wants us to be one with Him. As Jesus is one with the Father, and the Father is one with Jesus, this intimate union between the two of them, Jesus is telling the Father on the night He's betrayed, as you're in me and I'm in you, Father, I want them to be in us. This is a tremendous gift. It's a new way of thinking that, that the entire Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, dwells inside of you. That's the desire of Jesus' heart, is that they can dwell within us. And in the state of grace, that is what happens, right? From the moment of baptism, that's what happens. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And think about it when you go to confession, how good it feels. You're like, oh. I feel like a weight's been lifted off. Why? Because the Holy Trinity now comes and takes dwelling with it, within your soul again. That's why it feels so good. It's not just because I went to a counselor and got all the stuff off my chest. No, it's the reality that sin kind of kicks them out, so to speak, and we're still left with sufficient grace for our conversion. But when we convert and our soul is back in the state of grace, the entire Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, dwells within you. 
This is what Jesus is saying. It's remarkable. He continues and he says, All I have given them, and I have given them the glory you gave me. Like, this is for you. Jesus has given you the glory that the Father gave to Jesus. Like, let's wrap our minds around that one for a moment, right? Everything that the Father has given to the Son. He says, I give that to them. All the glory that Jesus has received from the Father, He gives to you. And what is that glory? That they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. And that they're brought to perfection as one. So the intimate union of the Holy Trinity is the glory that Jesus receives from the Father. And He says, I want them to have it. I want them to live in this glory, in this love. That's incredible. And then, I love this. That the world may know that you sent me and that you loved them as you loved me. Again, like the way that the Father loves Jesus is the way that the Father loves you. Like that's an incredible gift. The best gift of all, right? The way the Father loves Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying the night he's betrayed. That you love them even as you love me. And, and if you had your own Bibles, I would say, highlight this sentence. Father, they are your gift to me. You are a gift to Jesus. Not because you're perfect and not because you're sinless, and not because you've done everything right. On this night, as Jesus is about to be betrayed, and He's about to die for our sins, He sees us all in the existence of the Father. And He says, they're your, they're your gift to me. All of them, you, are a gift to Jesus. Like, to wrap our mind around that. To be gift, to sit with Jesus as he's going to go into his agony in the garden and be scourged and he's going to be crucified and our sins are going to nail him to the cross and he still says, they're your gift to me. They're your gift. Like that destroys any self-image things that we could ever deal with in life, wouldn't it? People that say, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. No, guess what? Exactly as you are, your gift to Jesus. <laughs> That's remarkable. And to live in that, and to treat one another as that, right? To see giftedness in one another, that the person sitting next to you, the person you work with, the person that you may not even get along with, that the whole Trinity can dwell within them, and they are a gift to Jesus. So maybe we ask Jesus for that, right? To let us in our daily lives, live in that grace, that reality that the Trinity dwells within me. And the reality that your gift to Jesus. Anytime you start having doubts of who you are and whose you are, read John 17. Read that third paragraph. Because that's Jesus speaking directly to the Father about you and His love for you, and His desire for you, and the reality of how He wants us to live, right? In union with the Holy Trinity, and as a gift, both to one another, to each other, but also to Jesus, that you're a gift.
And so we rejoice in that. Amen.